Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high income earners come to learn wealth building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into today's episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name's Christian Allen, and I am here with my co-host, Rodney the Pod Zabriskie. Rod, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I could not be any better than I am today. Wow. That's how good I am. Wow. This is great. Rod, the sun's shining. It's like 78 degrees. Um, can I just talk about something fun I've been doing recently with the new the weather it. being good? Okay. Yeah. So um, I thought it would be fun. My kids are getting a little bit older to, to where they can like, well, they can just do more. But specifically, mm-hmm. what I did is I bought scooters motor scooters okay um not like not like like sit oh well gosh i'm trying to think of the best way to put this so they're just the ride on scooters that go like 15 20 miles an hour type of thing right Mm -hmm. um but my son struggles a little bit in the scooter department so he has a go-kart and we together are a little bit of a a biker gang and so last night around 10 30 we headed down the street to the maverick and uh, we pulled up there and I'm telling you, we were getting all sorts of looks. But here's the thing, Rod. I was so excited that at 1030 at night, we could go out scooting. That's awesome. Starting. Yeah. And it was just perfect weather. So anyway, I think uh, I'm really good just because the sun's shining and the weather's good. And it just doesn't feel like it's been that way for a while. So, yeah. OK, we'll, we'll watch for the scooter gang. Yeah, watch. I don't know if we're going to make it all all the way up to Payson. Um, <laughs> it would probably take us, you know, taking a pit stop and making sure we plugged in recharge for a yeah. few hours before we could get all the way down to where you're at. But uh, yeah, it, I'll let you know if we're heading that way. Awesome. Okay. So today, Rod, we're going to hit on a question that we've been getting. Oh, before yeah. I do that, hold on, hold on. Before I do that, I want to make sure we hit on important announcements. So we've been very excited, Rod, about the Facebook group growing, right? We've um, over the last month or so, we've probably doubled the size of yeah. the Facebook group. So it's been really fantastic from that standpoint. My announcement or my reminder is just if you haven't joined it, make sure that you do. It's investment strategies for high income earners. Um, we're going to make sure that we up our game on the content. We do put out the Facebook Live every Tuesday. We try yeah. to be super consistent with that. Um, but we have other things going on throughout the week. And we love it when people join in, ask questions, and we build together through the community. So absolutely, that's that. Okay. Now, with that said, Rod, we've been we've gotten a question recently, particularly after the virtual summit that happened a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. the The question, Rod, and maybe it was a little bit of a surprise. So one of the members of our lineup is Adam Carroll. Mm-hmm. Adam Carroll is the creator of kind of a unique debt reduction strategy, the shred method. Yes. We'll go into a couple, we'll take a couple minutes to talk about what it is here in just a minute. But one of the things that's interesting, I think people have been wondering like, how does that work inside of the, you know, the money insights philosophy and methodology where we 100% value leverage, AKA Mm -hmm. debt to build wealth. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, But here's the deal. The catalyst for this show was a few emails of people basically saying, how do the investment optimizer and the shred method 
cohesively work together to make make our lives better right yes so that's what we're going to take on today i i'm excited i'm ready i'm excited too okay with that said rod my first question is this and i'm just going to ask it to you okay because this is the question some people are asking us isn't the shred method a debt reduction strategy so i'm just asking you that as a question let's just pretend i'm a client and i'm like wait a minute isn't it a debt reduction strategy? That's not really what you guys do. I mean, is it any different than like the snowball method? Okay. All okay, good that's questions. That's where we're starting. And the answer is, yes, it is. Yes, it is better. A debt reduction strategy. <laughs> oh, yes, okay. it is. Okay. It's a debt. Thank you. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. All right. So, but to put it into context, because like you said, the then the follow-up question is, well, that seems counterintuitive to the whole thing with conservative leverage and using it to, to make more wealth, build more wealth than I can if I'm just doing everything without using leverage. So here's the way I would clarify that and have been clarifying it with people is it's similar. So if, if you go to the investment optimizer, we put money into the policy. We take a loan against the cash value to go out and invest, right? And then we take the cash flow from the in, from the investment and we pay that money back to pay down the loan, right? So in that sense, I'm using cash flows from my investment to reduce my debt, right? If we use that same mm. terminology. Ah, However, That's a good point. Am, I, am I reducing that debt because I don't want the debt? No, it's because I want to have an efficient flow of cash moving in and out of my investments and 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 my invest or my opportunity fund. So I'm reducing the debt, but I, I'm always trying to be really clear when, when I explain this to people that when I'm doing that, I'm in air quotes, I'm replenishing my opportunity fund because I'm going to take another loan and go out and invest in something else. Okay. Mm. So it's, it's, yes, it's a debt reduction strategy, but if you adhere to the kind of principles we talk about using conservative leverage in your world to build your wealth, then it's debt reduction for the purpose of going out and using it again, tapping into the debt again to go out and do something else really cool. So what you're saying, Rod, is what I'm hearing is that you may as well do it in the interim, right? Yeah. So oh, if yeah. my opportunity fund is going to have some time, that some downtime, let's be as efficient as we possibly can with that money. And that's what's happening in, inside of the investment optimizer, right? Yep. We're using those things to, and the same thing basically is applying to the shred method and we're going to get yeah. into the details on that so if i were to reword the question i would say well yes it's a debt reduction strategy but the way i would think of it more so is a an interest saving method i want to use the debt but if i can pay less interest on the debt why wouldn't i want to do that that's what the shred method is helping me do yeah, it's and it's kind of like a cash flow system, yes. right? Yep. Okay. Um, I think that's helpful. So that's I think that's that's the stage well. So, like I said, oftentimes people ask us this question: Don't we generally encourage people to utilize debt? Uh, the answer is that we still one hundred percent believe that leverage is, if not the key, one of the maybe two or three most important keys to building wealth effectively. Um, however, that doesn't mean that we want to just pay interest for the heck of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, if there's opportunities that don't change 
the way that I invest to go and knock a layer of interest off of, you know, out of what I would have paid otherwise, again, we might as well do it. Yep. And of course, by doing that over time, it creates significant value, just like in the investment optimizer, which is kind of creating this arbitrage over time, over time, which when we look back ends up creating significant value. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Agreed. Okay. Rod. So with that said, um, I want to make sure that we have a baseline on the couple of things that we're hitting on. So I feel like we've talked about the investment optimizer and plenty and enough that we don't even need to go to an overview. If you haven't um, heard about it, then check out one of our episodes about the investment optimizer. We've got a sev several of them. Um, however, we only have, you know, maybe one other episode specifically related to the shred method. Mm -hmm. So what I was thinking might be helpful is just to take a minute and do a quick overview of kind of what the shred method is based on your understanding. Again, realizing we're not the creator of the shred method. Yeah. Um, so I should give that disclaimer. We believe that we have a sound understanding of how, of the different elements of it and how they work in conjunction with the investment optimizer. Um, however, we're not the Adam Carroll. So mm -hmm. we're going to do our best to, to be Adam Careful for today. Um, but if it ends up that we mess it up, Rod, the good news is we can just go grab him and bring him on. That's right. So, okay. Yeah. Sorry for that. Here's the deal. We need to know from you, Rod, what is the shred method and how, how does it work? Okay. Generally speaking. So the shred method is, like we talked about, it's a, it's a cash flow system. Um, people are still buying the same homes, cars. Uh, investment properties, et cetera, and using debt to do it. But what the shred method does is it creates a a, a flow of money uh, moving kind of through your system to pay as little interest as possible on the debt. Okay. So maybe using the, an example would be a good way to, to kind of explain it. Let's just say uh, that uh, we're working with someone who makes 500,000 a year. So let's just use round numbers. That's 40,000 a month. And after paying taxes and insurance or whatever, then maybe they, they their take home is thirty thousand a month. Okay, and let's say that their regular monthly expenses is about ten thousand of that. That covers the mortgage, that pays for the the car loans, food, all the other things that they do in their world. And again, I'm purposefully using really round numbers just to make it simple. So ten thousand a month for that, and then the other twenty thousand a month they're using to go out and invest. Okay. Can I just tell you that's some impressive ratios. If you get people who are doing that, you're going to be on a good track. Yeah, and what what's cool is we see these people. We see them regularly. all the time. Yep. Yeah, their absolutely. income goes up. They their expenses go up as well, but not proportionally. Right. Right. Because yeah, the opportunity to... to invest becomes more significant, and the ratios go down over time. Right. So, yeah. like like I talked about. It might be difficult to have a 50-50 ratio like that in terms of mm -hmm. how much money you've got allocated toward investing versus expenses and taxes. But as you continue to build your investment, your investments up, those start to create income and those ratios Absolutely. become easier to obtain. So anyway, like I said, that would be a good ratio, but it is something we see all the time. Okay, yep. keep going. Okay. So the 20,000 they're setting aside for investments. That are putting that into the investment optimizer, and they will continue to do that. Okay, so we're good there. The other ten thousand that they're using for the regular expenses, what that's going to do is, 
well, sorry, before I get there, um, one thing that they're going to do is go uh, take out a HELOC on their home. It could be a HELOC on an investment property or something else that they have, but, but what they're going to do is essentially the way that Adam describes it, I've seen him describe it, is we're creating a pool of liquidity. Okay. So obviously we have some liquidity in maybe a bank account, emergency fund type of stuff or business reserves or, or even inside of the investment optimizer, right? To the, to the uh, extent that I'm not tapping into that, that creates liquidity that I can access uh, when and if needed. Well, another element to this liquidity is I go and take a HELOC on my home. Now, to be really clear, when I take a HELOC, I haven't necessarily used any of that for debt. Okay. Okay. What, and that is important because uh, yeah. I think like naturally, Rod, I do this when, when I hear someone say, oh, you're going to take a, you're going to get a HELOC for, let's say it's for a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I naturally think, okay, now there's a hundred thousand dollars out on loan that I'm paying interest on. Right. right. But there is a very big difference between having the HELOC available to you and actually using it. So That's right. thanks for clarifying. Okay. Uh, and, and what that does is it adds to your pool of liquidity because in your example, now I have $100,000 of additional access to capital if and when I need it. I just tap into the HELOC to do that and I can access that liquidity. Okay. okay. Makes sense. Um, it's it's net equity I have in my home anyway. In this case, when you take out the HELOC, you're just creating liquidity out of that net yeah, equity you're just in your home. making it available. Right. Yep. Okay. Okay. So now I have this pool of liquidity. What am I going to do with it? I'm going to, so I have the pool of liquidity and I have that 10,000 a month coming in that I'm using for my expenses. Well, uh, what I can do, and and again, I'm I'm purposefully oversimplifying this to yeah. not get we need too a starting using. Um, but to, to clarify here, uh, what Adam has created is a software that helps you do, make the moves that I'm going to describe here in a minute. Um, because it'll specifically say, well, it, you, you've you've input your your numbers, your goals, and then it spits out and says, well, move money and do this and do that. Okay. So what I'm going to describe again is, is overly simplified, but but there's a software that helps you do this. Okay. So what you're saying, though, Rod, I think this is important. Is you we're going to talk about the general principles, and you would have to and believe have a belief in the philosophy, but you don't necessarily have to know every intricacy because the software will literally tell you what to do and when to do it. Yes, that's exactly right. Yep. So again, I mentioned this person has a mortgage payment they're paying. So obviously they they still have a mortgage on their home, a car payment, they have debt on a car. Let's say they have some credit card debt or some other kind of consumer debt in addition to that. So similar to the snowball method, you want to attack the higher interest rate debt first. So let's say you had, you know, whatever, 10 grand of, 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 debt in a credit card that's charging you 18% or whatever, well, you would take out of the HELOC and 10 grand to go pay off that, that credit card. Right. And to your earlier point, if you do that, now you have 10,000 of debt on your HELOC and you have to make a payment on that. However, you also have this 10,000 a month of income coming in. Right. So, Again, in, in, I'm oversimplifying it, but you take the 10000 and you put that towards your HELOC. Instead of dumping it in your checking account, instead, you put it towards your HELOC. Now, okay. for the moment, so you have no so more debt. Traded In that moment, you've traded debt from the high interest rate credit card mm-hmm. to the 
lower interest rate, although it's gotten higher sure. to the HELOC seven or 8% probably. Right? So yeah. now I'm trading it to the HELOC, which is still, which is still a win in that situation mm -hmm. may not be if my car loans at two, we'll talk about that in a minute. Sure. Um, but then, okay. Take me down the next step. Yeah. So now I have the $10,000 of debt in on the HELOC where I'm paying that. That's right. Just say it's 7%. Um, but when I get that 10,000 of income for that month, I'm going to dump it towards my HELOC. Yes. Okay. okay. Which to some people seems kind of weird. Like we're used to dumping it in the checking account. That's where I'm going to spend from, right? That's where I'm creating that. that that's the liquidity usually that a lot of us use as we're moving money in and then going out and paying our bills and doing things. Just realize I can do the same thing with my HELOC that that represents liquidity. I, I yeah. put the 10,000 towards that. I paid it to zero for the moment, but then in, in 10 days, I'm going to have to pay my mortgage. So I take whatever the, the three grand that I need to use to go pay the mortgage. And then uh, my car payment comes due. So I take the 800 bucks and I go and make my car payment. So I'm over the course of the month, I'm tapping back into the HELOC to cover those expenses. But what I've done is instead of having a month worth of 7%, again, one twelfth of seven, because the seven is annualized. Um, but instead of uh, just taking on that interest and, and having to make that payment at the end of the month, I'm paying much less interest because of the way I flowed my cash. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. And when you put it that way, right, you, you're literally just creating moments in time where you're not paying, you, you have these vehicles that have interest that, or that require you to pay interest on them. Mm -hmm. Um, but by flowing it in this way, you're basically creating a situation where you're minimizing the time in which you're having to pay those other interest rates. Yep. And of course, the idea here is to do that without materially disrupting the way that you flow your money in general. Yeah. Yeah. And and going back to the earlier question of, well, is this a debt reduction strategy? For some people, that's what they want. I'm sure there are a lot of people that Adam work, works with who say, well, I don't want to have a, a a loan on my home, right? Yeah. So they use this strategy, and and instead yes. of having paying it off in thirty years, he talks about situations where they're paying it off in four or five years. Yeah, great point. Right. That's not really us. We're not necessarily saying that. Like again, if if that's what you want to do, and, and, but I'll also say this: to the extent that you do pay down your mortgage, which we're, we're all doing naturally anyway, even on that thirty-year cycle, to the extent that you do pay that down, you just increase your HELOC. You just created more liquidity. That pool yeah. of liquidity uh, gets a little deeper, and and for what purpose? Oh well, now you can free up more dollars to go out and invest with, or to go well, play with, or or whatever. Like however, whatever your priorities are, that you've freed up more money to do that. And from a pure money standpoint, from a pure like interest rate standpoint, the chances are that with any amount of due diligence, you can find investment opportunities that will certainly outperform the mm -hmm. amount of interest that you're paying on whatever your mortgage is. So yeah. anyway, again, if you understand how it works. And, and so for me, Rod, if I'm being honest, when I hear this, um, the one thing that comes to my mind is like, oh, is it going to be a pain to like implement these different things? Yeah. And that's probably like the biggest hiccup. And obviously this is not our expertise, but that's where we would say, if you work with like, Adam and, the, and his team actually have the software. I don't know what it is, hundred bucks a month or something like that. Um, 
might even be less than that. But anyway, then you'll be able to actually get those moves and makes it a lot easier. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that he's even said that the software is set up so that it can send you a text or something. Yes. Yeah, so like when that time of the month comes to to, yeah, to like move that. move money from here and do that with it, then you, you get that message and, and you just do it. So. Okay, Rod, there's uh okay, let's move on. There's there's a couple of examples that I want to hit on specifically okay. that relate to me. And okay. I feel like they're gonna be that other people listening to this are gonna be relating. It will it will relate to them as well. Okay, but we'll cool. get to that in a minute. So here's the question. What are the primary similarities and synergies between the two strategies? We've talked a lot, of, a lot about a lot of these, but let's just hit on them one by one. We've got six things listed out here. The first one, which we've been hitting on, is the money movement efficiency, mm -hmm. right? And when we say efficiency, we're really saying flowing money and paying the least amount of interest possible, right? Right, yep. And in the investment optimizer, people may be familiar with kind of this conversation we talk about where it you're it's the same money that's going to go into the same investments. We're just using an opportunity fund that gives us a lot more benefits along the yes. way. Right. So instead of a bank account, by putting it into this specially designed life insurance policy, we're getting the five plus percent return tax free additional efficiencies, the, the arbitrage, et cetera. So it's just much better. You get much more value over time by having flowed your money through that system than otherwise. And so the same thing we're saying on the shred method side, money Rod, efficiency, you just end up in a much better place by doing Every that. time I hear you describe the investment optimizer, I'm like, mm -hmm. man, I need to do even more of that. <laughs> it's just so good, right? Like yeah. any cash sitting there, like here's the thing. I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but I'm not even kidding. Like we don't even talk about or emphasize probably five really great benefits to the way that this, to what that strategy is, right? Yeah. We're not talking about the ancillary benefits the, like the death benefit, like the long-term care benefit. Like we're really talking about how to improve a return, mm -hmm. but it just does so much more than that at the same time. It's true. Anyway. Okay. Sorry. Um, okay. First one is money, money movement efficiency. Both of them certainly are utilizing the efficiency of money movement to, um, improve especially over time what you're able to do from a from a wealth building standpoint okay the second one is both of them rod follow a defined set of rules maybe talk to us a little bit about that yeah i mean with the investment optimizer uh kind of the way i just described it, i'm taking the money in in, in this very uh broad example that I used the 20,000 a month that, that that person's taking in and putting into their uh, to, or setting aside to work for their investments. They're putting into the investment optimizer. They build up that fund. They find something they want to invest in. They take a loan against that cash value to go make the investment. It gets off cash flow. They flow that back. So there's a very set pattern that we're using these, this set of rules to, create that efficiency of, of cash flow that we talked about a minute ago. Well, the same thing's happening on the shred, shred method. And the interesting thing, Rod, we're going to talk about this in a second, is that we can actually use both tools to make one another just a little bit better. Okay, so hopefully we've made this pretty clear, Rod, but leverage is still an important key to building wealth, despite mm -hmm. the fact that the shred method is in a lot of ways, a debt reduction methodology, right? Yeah. Um, but we've talked about that. I feel like we've hit on that enough. I just want to emphasize that really both of them in different ways are actually utilizing 
leverage, right? And leverage in a lot of ways, we're, le we're leveraging different tools, but we're using, there's financial leverage that's happening inside of that flow as well, which of course gives us the opportunity to pay less interest than what we're earning. Yeah, and think of it this way, on the investment optimizer side, we're enhancing it, creating additional growth. On the on the shred method side, we're paying less cost, paying less interest. But as Benjamin Franklin famously said, a penny saved is a penny earned, right? So yes. the, to the extent that I'm saving that interest, that's that's the same or the equivalent of having creating more uh, interest, more growth on the investment optimizer side. Mm. Good Ben Franklin reference, Rod. Uh, okay, arbitrage is our next one. And again, this is kind of the same thing. It goes hand in hand with leverage, but we're utilizing this com combination of arbitrage. And again, that happens because of the movement of the way that money, and mm -hmm. really in both situations, that's what's happening. Because of the flow of money, because of the tools that we're using, and one of them we're using a HELOC, and one of them we're using, the, we're using life insurance, but both of them are, are utilizing arbitrage to create this long-term value proposition. Absolutely. Kara, talk to us a little bit about number five, which is to, uh, they both give us an opportunity to pay, pay less simple interest while earning compound interest. Yeah. So uh, people, I'm sure they've heard us talk about that on the investment optimizer side. That's one of the really cool benefits that we create in the flow because the money that we have in our bucket in the cash value of life insurance policies remains there untouched and just continues to grow and compound while we're accessing the money through the general account of the insurance company. And again, we, we understand I'm paying interest on that loan, but as I flow that money off, off of my investment, I'm putting it back in there. I'm, I'm paying that sim that interest as I go, keeps the interest simple, keeps it from compounding on me. So I pay simple interest on the one side while I'm earning compounding interest in my, in my account. Well, think about what I just said just a minute ago in terms of what the shred method is doing is it's, it's making it so I pay less interest. Mm -hmm. So I'm paying simple interest, but I'm paying even less of it while the compounding interest is growing. And this is now true when, when we, we combine both of them. It's true in, in my policy. It continues to grow. But now it's also true on my home. Right. I'm, I'm tapping into it. I'm using that that home equity line of credit. Uh, but I'm because of the flow in the meantime, and I'm paying less interest as I go. But again, my, my home is going to appreciate the same either way. Okay, Rod, you started to combine the two in that response. So mm -hmm. we're just going to dive into this, this uh, combination of how the two are working together hand in hand. Okay, right. so here's the question. Does it make sense to use the investment optimizer as the shred account, why or why not? Okay, so it. I think it, I would think of it as the kind of like the spillover account. In other words, and you've made this point, uh, a, a, you know, many times, a life insurance policy in this sense is not a great place to be flowing money in and out on like a daily basis. Yes, if speed is a, uh... If speed's important to you, then life insurance is not the place, right? Like we can get money in and out within, you know, five days to a week, mm -hmm. um, but it's not going to happen, you know, hour by hour or just day to day. Like it's, yeah. it's just not designed to do that. Yeah. Now, if you had a cash value line of credit with the bank, 
that and that's could, what you were accessing while using the ca the policy cash value as collateral then then you could get quicker movement there so then it might yeah, great it might be more practical in, in that sense however a heloc especially if the heloc is is with the same bank where you do your banking anyway your check comes in you move it very seamlessly from your checking account to your heloc and then when you're ready to pay the mortgage you move that much back and you pay the mortgage etc then that makes it much simpler as the kind of that that flow of funds going in and out. But then, uh, like we talked about earlier, you're saving on interest. Uh, what are you going to do with those savings? You're paying down the debt. Are you okay just having less debt or do you want to tap into it more? Um, as you have, like let's say you pay down the uh, a good chunk of your mortgage. Let's just say you're even using the shred method towards your mortgage. Um, so now you have, you, you've increased your HELOC as a result, right? Every time you pay it down, you, you increase the HELOC um, or you can, well, and uh, you can refi your, your loan. And so that I mentioned that $3,000 mortgage payment previously, well, you've, you've paid that down, you refi the, the mortgage. And so now it's only an $800 a month payment. Well, what are you going to do with the extra savings? That's extra that's going in towards your investments, which goes towards your investment optimizer. Right. Ah, so, okay. So it's all coming full circle. Right. Okay. Rod, is there anything else you want to hit on? I, I have one, like, just kind of scenario that I want to throw out there that kind of applies to me, probably applies to us, um, and probably will apply to a lot of other people out there right now. Is there anything else from like a combining the two um, that we want to hit on before I hit on this next piece? Maybe uh, one last thing. Okay. And that is uh, one of the like hidden gems of the investment optimizers that you mentioned earlier is the idea that I, I have an emergency fund, right? And most people just keep that in their bank account. Well, for the same reason that I want want my investment opportunity fund in a place where I can actually earn money that's tax-free, why wouldn't I also want that for my emergency fund? Right. Right. So we talked about this pool of liquidity, the emergency fund being one of those. Well, we and a lot of our clients will also use the, the investment optimizer policy for that emergency fund. Now, you, you always do want to keep an amount of cash closer at hand, you know, in your bank account, that you can get more quickly if needed. Um, but, you know, I'll give you an example. One of our clients um, has the investment optimizer policy, uses it for his investing, but he won't ever draw it down below. His number is 180,000. He needs to keep 180,000 of liquidity in the policy. So he'll, when he takes his loans, he's just always careful to not tap into it below that because again, now it's also acting as his emergency fund slash in his case, like business reserves. Okay, Rod. So you're preemptively hitting on my, oh boy. my question or thought here. And that is this, that is this with investment opportunities more difficult to come by mm -hmm. than they have been over the last decade. Um, specifically, if you've been like in the multifamily space and you've been a, a syndicate, you know, if you've been investing in syndications and you've just been getting one out and then rolling into another one, well, mm -hmm. there's not as many things to roll into, right? Right. Which means there's more money sitting on the sideline. 
Um, so I have quite a bit of cash, Rod. And my question is this. Is it one of those situations where if we have cash that's just sitting there, mm -hmm. right? Maybe, and I think I know the answer to this already, but doesn't it make sense to do exactly what we're talking about? Like, isn't that a prime example? If, if you're sitting there and you're like, I've got a few hundred thousand dollars, like maybe it's not in the investment optimizer. Oh, okay, Rod, here's here's kind of a, let me put it out there like in, in an example or we'll formulate an actual situation, okay? okay? So let's just say I use the investment optimizer. I'm putting a couple hundred thousand dollars a year into it um, and I make, you know, $800,000 a year and um, the investment optimizer is a big part of my investment component, right? Mm -hmm. In addition to that, um, I likely have money sitting at the bank and other places, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so the question then becomes like, if I have liquid money, money sitting there, regardless really of whether it's in the investment optimizer or whether it's just sitting in cash, doesn't it make sense to attempt at least to do both of these things? Yeah. That's not yeah. always easy, right? Like sure. it may not be practical to say every dollar is going to run through these things, mm -hmm. but, um, but from a pure efficiency standpoint, like it would be really valuable, especially with money that's just sitting there anyway. Yeah. It's a good question. And, and it also brings up kind of the, in the past when people would say, Hey, I'm paying extra toward my mortgage. I was always, I would always think, Oh man, why would you do that? Right. Why would you uh, lock that money up essentially is, is, was my problem with it. Right. Because yeah. you pay down your mortgage, uh, which means you have, but their whole plan on that is I want to pay off my mortgage sooner. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the whole reason why people do that. Um, but then in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, but you're locking that money up. Like it's, it's tied up in your home now. You, you no longer have access to it. And sadly, I, I would meet up, would meet up with people who were paying a lot of extra money toward their mortgage, but they didn't have much of an emergency fund or a lot of liquidity elsewhere. And it's like, man, why would you it's do dangerous. that? dangerous. Yeah. What this does, what the shred method allows you to do is use cash. So, so now getting back to your question, you have this cash sitting there. You wish you were doing something with it, but you just don't have those opportunities right now. Well, you could use that to pay down your debt, which could even include your home. Uh, again, it is debt reduction, but the, but the point is you do that and then you go get your HELOC. Or if you already have the HELOC, you increase the, the limit on the HELOC because you've now created additional equity in your, in your home. So you haven't given up the liquidity, right? You haven't locked that money up. Like I, like I always just figured it was because now you can access it and then use it when you're ready for it, when that time comes and you're ready to use it. But in the meantime, you just use it in this flow, like, like Adam's, like the software shows to pay less interest on the debt that you do have. Okay. So Rod, I think you answered my next question, which is, are there any drawbacks? And the primary drawback is really losing liquidity. But if we have a plan to avoid that. So what mm -hmm. you're saying is it does make sense. It is more effective to the extent that I also maintain that liquidity. And the way to do that is to increase the HELOC along the way. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yep. Rod. Increase the um, HELOC. Increase the HELOC. It. And increase the investment optimizer. And yes, right. both. That's, right? They that's can something grow that, together. Yeah, that's something that we see regularly with our clients and, and our, even with us. 
uh, you set up your policy, but there's a maximum amount of money you can get into it each year. Right. So we need to figure say, out how to simulate the combination of them together, creating the additional layer of profitability that the investment optimizer is building and yeah. the minimizing of the interest that you're paying, that we'd be paying otherwise. Whew, it's, it's powerful stuff. We've, we've talked to Adam about trying to do something like that, having a software that shows both. That would be really cool. I was just it thinking would, we just make like a simple like example, a diagram. but basically. you're right. You're right. It would be even cooler if we could create something that, that simulates and allows people to like tap into it, just like he's doing with the shred. Okay, Rod. So I think I've asked all the questions I have. Um, why don't you finish off by giving us kind of final thoughts? What's the consensus on this? I mean, I think the consensus is that the investment optimizer makes sense to use in conjunction with your investing. I think the shred method makes sense to use in conjunction with your debt. And then when you are using them side by side, it's like you're maximizing the efficiency on the growth side and on the debt, like interest payment side. And it's just brilliant. That's well, I think well that's the said. consensus. Okay, thanks everybody for hanging out with us and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.